Our first speaker this morning is Bruce Wilkinson. Probably many of you have heard of him and know him. Yeah. And um, he has a book, a recent book. I've read this book. It's a fantastic book. It's entitled The Dream Giver. And uh, again, it's available in the Resource Center. And uh, he's going to come and share some thoughts with you this morning. So would you welcome Bruce Wilkinson. It's a day of destiny to Toronto. I've been feeling it for months. Really. For months. I've been praying for this event. I've spoken in many PK stadiums in the lower part of this great place. And there's only been two times where I've sensed before I came, heaven was going to decide to open up and was going to come. This is the second place. I've seen God do more through promise keepers than any other single thing for men in the United States. Nothing comes close. I remember speaking to 80,000 men in the Detroit Silverdome. <laughs> That's just a few men. I couldn't see their faces at the other side. And God moved. That whole entire time we were together and many men came flooding forward and lives were changed. And afterwards, they would ask the speakers to go up to the top where they had all these press rooms. And there was 11 rooms in a row you had to go. And you never knew when you entered the room who was going to be on the other door, whether or not it was a Christian magazine or somebody who hated Christianity or the television or the radio. And finally, I was through 10 of them, and there was one left, and I was exhausted by this time. And the PR person from PK said, you know, this is a Christian radio station. There's just one person here. You can relax. And I remember, you know, believing that. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually relaxed for the first time. And I opened the door and walked in, and there was seven of them, all radio people. And in the middle, there was a very big man who was very... Um, he was just like that. And he was holding the big microphone. He says, Dr. Wilkinson, I want to ask you a question. You don't really believe that all those men who rushed forward and had an emotional experience are really going to have a changed life, do you? <laughs> what do you say at a moment like that? Well, you just said yes. I didn't know quite what to say, so I was praying and said, uh, Sir, before I answer that question, let me ask you another question. Are you married? What? I said, sir, that's not a hard question. That's, that's not a hard question. <laughs> are you married? He said, well, yeah, I am married. I said, you are. Are you married in a church by chance? He said, well, so? I said, uh, did you come forward on that day and stand up here? Well, yeah, and were you emotional? Well, yeah, well, did it change your life forever? <laughs> yeah! You bet. I believe this day, I believe this day is meant to be a day like that. I do. Is it okay if I believe that? I don't need for you to believe that. I don't. I just need to believe that. And God Almighty wants that. So I don't care what you believe. I want what heaven wants. And I've been asking the Son, the Son of God, to stand up from his throne. 
at Claim Toronto today. Because all it takes is one time. It does. One time for Toronto, for Canada to rise up and to become the nation that it's never quite become. It has never become one of those nations in time that became the fountainhead of what God was doing around the world. America has lost it. We're no longer that country. And there's an emptiness in the world wondering, is there going to be someone else who wants it so much that the men, the leaders, will say, I will cast aside everything else and I will go for the dream of heaven. That heaven, whatever it wants, is what I want and I will pay every price I need to pay for heaven to come to earth. It doesn't take that many people, by the way. It takes people who abandon everything else for the dream that heaven has for the earth. It takes someone who abandons everything in your heart for what God has in his heart. And the challenge that everybody has in these moments is, (laughs) how can I do this? Uh, It's like... Here is maybe the dream, I don't know, that God has for you, because it's very particular. And the problem with the dream that God has for you and for me is that we live over here, and the dream is over there, (laughs) and the dream is too big, and it causes fear in our heart, because we say to ourselves, how on earth? Could I possibly do that? I mean, that's impossible. Because in reality, the dream isn't a little dream. God never puts a little dream in a man. Do you know that? I've been all over the world speaking. I've yet to find one man when I say to him, what is your dream? That they have a little one. It's always, (laughs) it's always this big. And the man didn't sit down one day and say, you know what? I need to sit down and I need to invent a dream that just scares the living daylights out of me (laughs) so that I'll never do it. You didn't do that. You didn't sit down. You didn't make a dream so big you couldn't do it, did you? It was inside of you. It's because God Almighty (laughs) doesn't have little dreams. He doesn't. He has world-shattering, heaven-shaking dreams. And he puts them as his seed inside of your heart. And then every once in a while, does he not pull away the veil and say to you, by the way, if you really want to live (laughs) with my power, it's the dream I put in your heart. Until you therefore come to grips with the fact that I'm going to have a dirty back of my pants from now on. <laughs> that reminds me, the most intense time I've ever worshipped was at a Promise Keepers event. It was, in, uh, it was a different time at the Silver Dome in Detroit. There was 80,000 men, and we started singing, holy, holy, holy. And we sang it louder and louder, and the worship filled this silver dome, 
and it was so intense that every man who never thought they'd ever do this did this. People who believed this wasn't possible for them. They were doing this, and they forgot that they were doing it. Because when the worship is so intense, your whole being has to respond. And it just went like this. And I was standing next to a bunch of presidents of organizations, and we, had, we were all. Some guys had never done that before in their life. Singing holy, 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 and it wasn't enough. There was something in us. It wasn't enough. And so the MC came up, and he began to try to stop us from singing. And we, we didn't stop singing. So he went back, and he sat down, and... I said to the guy next to me, I said, you know, it's not enough to sing it to Christ. It's not enough. Something, something happened to us. And we started applauding God. And it was thundering. And I thought to myself, I finally got an answer to my question. I always wondered why heaven talks about the worshiping God as being so fulfilling. At that moment, there was nothing including sex that was more fulfilling to me than I, Some of you don't believe that's possible. All right, what can I say? And don't you dare think your sex is better than my sex because it's not. <laughs> but the worship. So after a while, they wanted to get on with the program, and we knew the program was between heaven and earth and wasn't with the speaker. And so the MC gets up, and he starts to yell at us, and we don't stop. And we start screaming and applauding the Lord. And that's when he came over, and he sat down right here. And I said to one of my best friends, I said, I cannot find enough in me to reach out to worship God. I can't get enough. Ah, oh, won't that be something? But the question is, heaven looking down to you and trying to communicate all night last night, and all day today, that God Almighty <laughs> is the one who's hunting. He's hunting. Get that inside of your mind. You think you have to convince him <laughs> to use you? Oh, my goodness. It's been forever. God's saying, who can we send? Who on earth will go for us? Who will become so careless about their life? that they don't love the world or the things of the world. They just don't. They don't value their life anymore. They don't. They hate mother and father, as Jesus says, unless you do that, you can't be my disciple. They've surrendered everything. They've taken the little trinkets of their dreams, and they've thrown them aside, and they somehow want to live in the power of God. The power of God is for you. That's why he makes the dream that's in your heart impossible. Why? He knows that the only way you're going to find out who he is before you die, besides salvation, is if you decide I'm going for that which he put in my heart. I'm going to use every gift that he gave me to achieve that which he wants. And unless God comes through, I can't do it. It's at that place, friends. That's when you find out what heaven's waiting for for you. There's a passage I want you to think about. It's in the book of Jeremiah, and I just want to read it a little bit. It says this. Before I formed you in the womb, said God, 
I knew you. <laughs> That's impossible. Before I formed you in the womb, I, God, I knew you. Wait a minute. You knew me before I was in the womb? Uh, yes, I did. What did you say? I said I knew you before you were in the womb. You did. Uh-huh. And before you were born, I set you apart. What do you mean before I was born? I wanted something done in the earth. <laughs> I wanted this done. And because there's no time in heaven, God came along and said, I, kn I know you. Maybe he invented you in, your mi in his mind first, and he knew you. And then he made you a certain way. Why? He wanted this thing done. He says, I, before you were born, I, I set you apart. I picked you among everybody else, and I picked you. And I ordained you, in this case, it says, to be a prophet to the nations. So he said, I need a person who can do this part of my eternal plan. And they have to be this big. They have to be born in this place. They have to have these gifts. They have to have these weaknesses, these strengths, these dreams, these longings, these challenges. I need to put them in this difficult of a family so they learn how to handle rejection. I need to give them severe disappointments time after time after time so that when they stand up to be my prophet and they're rejected, they won't crumble underneath the pressure. I'm going to give them many broken relationships. I'm going to make it so that the finances don't work. I'm going to make it so that all that matters to this prophet is me. So when I ask him to stand alone, he will stand alone and say whatever I want him to say, even if the whole world is against them. He not only picks you, but he hand makes your race. Every single part of it. <laughs> The bad, the ugly, the good. Because he wants this done. And no matter what anybody says, the truth of Scripture is he doesn't pick two people to do that. He picks one person to do this. And if it doesn't get done by you, it just doesn't get done. Wow. You mean before... Before he formed me in the womb. Yeah, it's not your parents. That's why you don't look like your sister. <laughs> he formed you. Why? He knew you. He had a dream. That's called your destiny. That's the destiny that you will be accountable for. See, someday I have to stand before and so do you. I don't think I'll be standing. I think I'll be kneeling in front of the judgment seat of Christ to answer one big question. Did you fulfill the destiny that I put in your heart? Did you lose your life for me and my kingdom? Did you seek my kingdom first? Did you learn the deep secrets of connecting with the Holy Spirit so that you can have the power to do that which I ask you to do because without it you can't. That's what I told my disciples and it's no different with you. Therefore, the most important moment of all eternity is that moment. And it has to do with the destiny in your heart. It's what beats in you when, you when you're least expecting it and you dream and you say, what would it be like if I really did what I would love to do? But 
how, and God doesn't tell you how. He asks you to get out of the boat first. Put your foot on the water. And I kind of sense that it's not the way here to be filled with risk. And yet the whole New Testament is filled with risk. It's people who didn't care whether it was the way to do it or not. It's the one who asked you to do it that causes you and me to respond. When's the last time (laughs) you did something because God asked you to do it when the people around you criticized you for what you did? See, until a person, until a man doesn't live underneath the pressure of other people's expectations and demands and realizes that's called the fear of man and it's a snare and it will stop you all of your life from ever truly becoming a man. A man stands ultimately alone before God. When I stand before him, I won't have my accountability group with me. I won't have my dad or my mom. I won't have my wife or my kids or my six grandkids. I'll be there by myself. And so will you. And I must answer for every single thing that he gave to me, every gift he gave to me, every day that I have. I am to be sprinting, running, striving, bringing heaven down because heaven wants to come down through people. Now, am I making sense this morning? I didn't mean for applause. You're awfully quiet, which means you're falling asleep or... That dream is out there. I want to make that clear to you. The dream is in your heart, but it's never here. It's always out there. And this issue of where I live is here. And I'm used to this place here because it's where I live. It's where my house is. It's where my job is. It's where my friends are. And I know what people expect of me, and I'm relatively doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I feel kind of comfortable here. The problem is God's dream is never in your comfort zone. It isn't. Which means one of two things has to happen. Either you come and you take God's magnificent dream, which is this large. (laughs) That's an understatement. And because you know it's impossible, you reduce it and reduce it and reduce it until it's this big. And you know you can do that. I can do this. I know I can. Sweetheart, do you think I can do this? (laughs) And then we wonder, what happened to the fire in the belly? What happened to the fire in the belly? What happened to the challenge that makes a man become a man? Men are meant to overcome. Where did it overcome? Why is it everywhere that Jesus went? He shook up everything, and when his disciples took over his place, they turned the world upside down. Why is it when we go everywhere 
They don't even know we're there. You know why? We lost it. We become feminized men. Oh! When's the last time somebody challenged you for something you're doing because God lets you know that's what you ought to be doing? When's the last? Can you remember the last time? <laughs> if you don't, I promise you, you're not living anything close to a dream. Not his dream. So either we make it so small that we don't have any desire to do it when we make it small, or the real thing, which is why I'm here. I didn't need another speaking engagement. I'm here because I believe what I said to you at the beginning. I believe it. Is it okay if I believe Toronto is in a crisis point? Is this you over here? What's the other thing you can do? You can realize, I'll never get there by waiting for it to happen. <laughs> Maybe someday something will happen. <laughs> Maybe some preacher or something will happen. I hope I don't knock one of these over. <laughs> so what has to happen? You have to realize. See, there's seven, there's seven stages of fulfilling any dream, and they follow in order. They just happen to all of us. They're the same. The first one is the dream. The second one is the comfort zone. You have to realize, listen to me carefully, because 80% of you, this stops you and every other person in the world. There's a wall at the edge of your comfort zone called the wall of fear. It just terrifies us, all of us to leave our comfort zone and move out of it. And because we think this, that if this is from God, I won't be afraid. If this is from God, you'll be scared spitless. <laughs> Why do you think after God talks to Joshua, the first thing God says is, don't be afraid. Why, God just made him afraid. You're supposed to be near terrified at the size of what God's asking you to do. Because here's why. He won't tell you how to do it here. He won't. And you won't have the money here. And you won't have the time here. And you won't have the people here. And you won't have anything here except fear. So, here's the crisis. Are you more Christ hadn't got off the throne yet. Hmm. Holy Spirit, what do you want? What's missing here? Hmm. Excuse me just for a minute. <clears throat> Please. Please. <laughs> Please. Don't let this pass. Please. 
please. Jesus, rise up and come down. Break all unbelief in this room. Break it. Holy Spirit, rebuke it. Break all fear in this room. Break all self-respect in this room. Break all tentativeness in this room. Break the Canadian way in this room. Lord God, come on! Come down! Come down! Come down! There must be men in this room who know, who say, that's exactly what I've been hoping would happen to me, but I keep waiting and the time keeps going and nothing seems to happen. It's up to you. It's not up to him. The eyes of the Lord, it says, look to and fro across the face of the earth to find someone whose heart is loyal toward him, which means I'll do anything you want in any way you want at any time you want without regard to the cost or consequences to me. I'll die for you. I'll live for you. I'll sell our house and give away everything we own for you. I'll move to the middle of India for you. I don't care what you want. I just care about you. That's loyalty. I have some friends like that. I would die for them today. I would give them everything I had today. They know that. They would do that for me. I am much more loyal to him. And when your heart is loyal toward him, and you submit to the king, <laughs> you care less about the emotion of fear and more about fulfilling the dream in your heart. You see, that's the trade-off. We don't want it enough. We more want, I don't like this feeling, I don't like this insecurity, I don't like feeling lack of safety, I like retreating from it, I don't want to think about it, how can I possibly do it? What if it fails? So what if it fails? So what? That's another step on the way. You must take the fear that's there and realize it's normal. It's of God. It's being human. It's not of Satan. Don't rebuke it. Walk through it. You walk through it. You go. And people are going to say, how, how can you possibly do that? And your answer is, I don't know. You what? I don't know. Where are you getting the money for this? I don't know. Yeah, but that's the way it is. That's the way it is. That's why as soon as God told this to Jeremiah, <laughs> it says, then Jeremiah said to God, ah, ah, Lord God, I love this. Behold, I can't speak for I'm a youth, meaning I can't do this. Ah, Lord, I can't. That's how we all feel. I can't. And we always have our reason. I'm too young. Or, I'm too old. Or, I don't have the money. Or, what about my retirement? Or, I can't speak. 
or I don't have a 46-page business plan yet. I can't. And God had an immediate response because they're all rationalizations in God's mind. <laughs> God is the one who's standing here. If you can't connect with God, maybe it's because you're living in rebellion to what he has made you to be. He's here and he's saying, come on, you can do all things through me. <laughs> this is my idea. This is not your idea. Lose your life for me. Lose it. Give it away and come follow me. And when you break through, <laughs> when you break through, I, it happens every time for me because this happens every time. After you're on the other side, you wonder, what on earth was I so afraid of? What on earth was I so afraid of? And before long, you have a new territory of comfort. You're comfortable to be out here. You never dreamt you could ever do something like this. You didn't know you had it in you. And then the big challenge comes up because the Lord will take that vision and show you part B. <laughs> You'll think that's it and it's only part A. And it's really big. And guess what you'll feel? Something you thought you had conquered. The another wall of fear at the new edge of the comfort zone. And you'll either decide I've done enough or you will realize there is no limitation to what God will do through a man who pays the price tag of breaking through the wall of fear and losing their life and learning how to clean up their act. You can break through that comfort zone, you'll get a new one, and you'll be doing more for the kingdom, and there'll be another one, and another one. There's no limitations. When I was younger, I would have all these famous people. I would say, man, they must be totally awesome to be around, and then I got to be uh, a little bit more known, and I got to be friends with those people, and I realized, oh, God, they're just like me. They're just average. The only thing that they did throughout their lifetime is they kept saying, Lord, send me. <laughs> Let me do it. Let me do it in the marketplace, in business. Let me do it. Let me take a stand. And then they hit the wall, and they went out. And you see, right there at the edge of this uh, comfort zone is a little border. And around this border are all the people who know you and love you and who don't love you. <laughs> and when they hear footsteps, <laughs> I don't know how they know this, but they can almost um, drive the cameraman crazy. <laughs> they, hear, they hear these footsteps coming shaking your own comfort zone. <laughs> and it shakes the whole platform. And guess what? Your family's comfort zone overlaps yours. So when you start talking about doing something unpredictable and risky, they don't get very comfortable, and they can smell it. <laughs> Somebody's about ready to break out. <laughs> Let's get them. And they come around here and they say, what on earth are you talking about doing? Your father tried that 43 years ago and it failed terribly. And where are you getting the money for that? And how can you be sure it's going to work? And you're sitting there and your hope's about this big and you're saying, you know, you're probably right. I was stupid. <laughs> and what happens is the border bullies, 
They're border bullies. They all come. And they'll give you every reason in the world why you can't. That's why, listen to this, that's the next thing he says. He says, God says, don't be afraid of their faces. (laughs) I'm going to be with you. Because that's what happens, number three, is the border bullies are right here. And you must care more for the vision, the dream, than your comfort, than your fear, than what other people think. And I'm going to close in two minutes here. I can't teach you the rest of this. I didn't come to teach you all of it. There's an unseen part here. It's called wasteland. And nobody tells you it's here. And you are proceeding directly now. You've broken through your own fear and other people's opinions of you, and you're finally going, and nobody tells you there is this ditch here. That's a desert. And no matter what you do, you're going this way, and you're saying, I want to go this way. Okay, I'll I'll go this way. And you go this way again. And you take this road. Sure, it's going to go that way, and it goes back here. And the months go by, and pretty soon you begin to lose faith, and you begin to lose hope, and your faith in God is brought to the breaking point. I'm doing this for you. How come you're not here for me? And what we don't know is, when you were back here, and you said, I can't possibly do the dream, you weren't lying. You couldn't. And he knows that. (laughs) But after you choose him more than your comfort zone and your border bullies, he brings you into a valley. And you're wanting to focus on the dream, and he's focusing on the dreamer. And he's changing you on the inside. He's changing your character. He's changing your motives. And he will not let the dream move an inch. And you will wander in this until you come out at the other end and all of a sudden you realize, oh, I know how to do that now. How did I learn that? And you'll forget the fact, like Joseph, you were in prison for all those years. Then you come out and the next day you're ruling Egypt. (laughs) That's the way it is for all of us.